630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Toronto, the Argos lead the Lions 10-7 tonight. And the Blue Jays in action. They're still ahead 3-1 in the top of the sixth against the Orioles. All the offense for the Jays in the top of the first. Bautista homered to lead off the game, his 17th of the season. Russell Martin hit a two-run shot, his 16th of the year. Uh, the Orioles uh, responding uh, on an error, on a uh, error by Josh Donaldson that allowed a run to score. So uh, Aaron Sanchez for the Jays threw five innings, four hits. The run he allowed was unearned. He has walked three and struck out one. Your scoreboard, of course, is courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. You can always reach us here, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. It is R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Kevin Karius from Global Television will be joining us shortly. Our studio producer this evening is the impossibly handsome Kellen oh, wow. Kennedy. Wow. I, know, I just randomly come up with ways to introduce that's, you. That's a lot of hyperbole there, Reed. Hyperbole. <laughs> uh, Kevin Karius has now uh, jumped uh, in after jogging over the 20 blocks from Global Television. Hey, Kevin. It's a tough trip. It really is. What a commute, eh? Yeah. If you don't hit those lights right, you're in trouble. Well, that's a good point. Because the, the train still doesn't go across there. No, not, not at that time. No. But, you know, you got to think at 6.58, I'm still on the air at Global. That's, that's incredible. It is now 7.07. Yeah. The synchronized chorus entertainment yes. clocks that uh, that we have here. So how how you been, buddy? How was your last week? It was all solid, you know, uh, looking forward to the Labor Day weekend. Oh. To me, that's when everything clicks are into Schnell. And, uh, you know, everything is the crossover. Now you got NFL. Now you got the real season in the CFL. Yep. Training camps are right around the corner for so, NHL. So. I was talking about this yesterday. Do you have a favorite? Because to me, it's either March, April, or no, you pick right a month now. in the fall. You, you right like now. this a lot. Yeah. Eh? yeah. yeah. See, I'm, I, was, I was saying yesterday, I'm, I'm pretty partial to the spring. Though, I mean, if you're a sports fan, I mean, it's it's like it's like asking a, a parent to pick between their favorite child. Well, I don't know. I'm not a parent. Maybe you they probably maybe have, do have yeah. fair children. Uh, <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you got two more two more months of golf here. Yes, almost. Hopefully, you know, hopefully. think yeah, and it gets you know we're still golfing here at the end of October. Yeah, so you got that. You got as I mentioned all the the great uh, fall sports going on here. And even, you know, you think high school football starting yep. in Edmonton. We do a lot of Universities, Golden Bears play University Saturday. Yeah. starting, you know, and Wildcats and Huskies have been going for a couple of weeks now. But that's this is my favorite time of the year. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the March Madness. I like the Masters, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, like I was saying, you can watch a game from, you can watch games from 5 p.m. to midnight in this right. time zone because everything's televised. But, yeah, this 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 will be fun. Uh, and I guess the added attraction here this year is uh, is Rogers Place opening up. So the Oilers are going to skate tomorrow. I don't know if uh, you're going or one of your colleagues from the sports department, but uh, 11.45 is early for you. No, it's not really <laughs> early for me. I'm, I get up pretty early, but 
the reporters that are on during the day shift will cover that off. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I'll make sure I give them a hard time. Absolutely. Especially if that camera guy, Cliff Harris, is there. God, <laughs> that guy. That guy. Uh, so here we go into Rogers' place. Stu McDonald was on with uh, Stoffer earlier today. We'll be playing some clips. I, I had I had Rick Davis on the show while you right. you would have been working. So, uh, you know, I asked him about what what do you hope impresses people the most. A tough tough question for a guy, but he, he kind of said, you know. I know he said just walking in, it's going to look so, so grand coming in through Ford Hall or the Winter Garden as it was before it got the sponsorship. And he said, I just think the scoreboard's going to blow people away. Yeah, I would. you can't argue with anything. I mean, the whole place is going to blow everyone away. You're looking at the, probably the finest facility, not just in uh, North America, but all the world right now. I mean, with just absolutely every atten- attention to detail that's been going on into this. And think about all the things we don't even really know about. You know, the little things that, you know, that take so much time for uh, an effort for all these people that have been behind the scenes and doing so many, um, so, so much work on the building and the facility itself. But it's it's just going to be phenomenal. Uh, we'll play some Stu McDonald here as we roll along. Uh, Kevin, he's the Oilers chief commercial officer. He was talking to Stauffer about just the, the room, the space that will be inside the building. Yeah, the con- the main concourse is, I mean, it's ridiculously wide. And and the other piece is, not only is it open on the outside to the to 104th Avenue through the glass or, or the McEwen LRT station and north through the glass on the north side of the concourse, it's also open to the bowl. And so in the design process, which involved a lot of people, uh, we visited over 40 facilities in North America and a couple in Europe, actually, to take the best ideas we saw, listen to, you know, our teams, you and Jack, who travel substantially and bring back ideas. And we tested them all, but a couple of things that we looked at were really important. Were it's a hockey building, hockey sight line. So the lower bowl is the same pitch as the lower bowl in Rexall Place. It's a little, a little bit more legroom, which our, our customers were asking for. But the pitch is the same for hockey. Um, the the concourse is open to the bowl uh, again, so different than we've had at Rexall Place, where you can pretty much walk around something happens on the ice, poke your head back in and vomit, and it, you're connected all the way around. And, and that was really important for us, that if you're, if you're leaving your seat to, to grab a drink or go to the washroom during a TV timeout, uh, you're not far, you're about 30 feet away from a TV screen that can show you a replay happened, or you're still connected to the bowl because of the fact there isn't that inside wall. Or- when I got to walk around, that's, that's what I noticed was how wide the concourse is. When you walk along 104th Avenue, there are huge windows that'll be open. I mean, you can look to your left and see into the bowl, and you'll be able to look out mm-hmm. to the right. Now, Ice District isn't finished, but you can see, you know, Mercer Tavern and 104th Street and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a lot more of an open, roomy facility. You know, I remember one question that uh, I don't think this has been asked about here, but one question that did pop up in Chicago when they built the United Center. The old Chicago Stadium could fit inside the United Center. That's how big, and the United Center is big. Right. It's massive. And Chicago Stadium is probably as intimate of a building as right. you're probably going to get. So, I mean, that was the extreme. I wonder if Rexall Place, the old Rexall Place, could fit right now inside of Rogers Place, if that's the magnitude. Of, oh, geez. If you, if you yeah. compare that, uh, it's probably a question that, you know, obviously Stu would have to answer just on the magnitude of it all. But I know that, oh, I can't remember who told me, but when I was on the last tour, this... Rogers Place is like, oh, I, I, I better not throw out a number. I'll have to check with somebody tomorrow. But Rogers Place is bigger than the arena that they built in Las Vegas. 
that is that is being built. Like right. it's it's just got more space and there's more to it. I, I remember doing an interview with Kevin Lowe in Los Angeles at Staples Center a long time ago, uh, when I was doing the Oilers broadcast on Ched, and he I said, well, how much of this place are you going to take into the new building? And you know, he said, well, there are some great things here at the Staples Center, but there aren't some great things yep. here at the Staples Center. And that's exactly what they've done, taking the best um, spots, best areas, best dimensions, best sight lines, best everything of all the places they went to and put this into one place. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's the cool thing is all the yeah. the research they did, all the NHL rinks, and as Stu has said, some, some places in, in Europe and even some non-hockey yeah. facilities uh, as well. The, a lot of simple questions, though, that people have. Uh, I mean, we, we played about there being more room. Quick clip here, of course, Mizzou McDonald. More bathrooms? What's going on? Uh, more, more per person. Um, yeah. I'm not sure the exact, but it's it's significantly past what we call it the recommended code for the facility. So there you go. If you have to pee, <laughs> the lineup should be. And there's some long lineups. Right yeah, there. there's some long. You know, it's it's uh, just a quick a quick as, uh, aside here. Uh, and I mean, as I, I've I've said, uh, uh, Kevin and I was saying to somebody earlier today, I, I'm still. I, there's still that 10-year-old kid in me that got to come in for one or two games a year from Evansburg to go see right. the Oilers play whoever. We often try to see the Canadians and stuff like that. So I, I still I still think like a fan, and you try to be like, okay, can I make it through without going to the bathroom? Or could do I, how long is the line going to be? My parents, I want to say in the late 90s, went to either the World Figure Skating Championships or the Canadian Championships that were in Edmonton. Yeah, uh, I, I I think someone gave them tickets, and I remember my dad saying, "Well, first time I didn't have to line up for uh for the bathroom at at Skyreach or whatever it was." There, yeah. he said, "Yeah, I, there was a break in the program. I walked in. I was the only man in the and the lineup to the women's because it was a different clientele for the figure skating." But anyway, and even aside for, for uh, guys like ourselves in the media, obviously there's in at Rexall there was no washroom upstairs on the catwalk or anywhere, yeah. and you know that'll change. And I remember like Rod Phillips would have to time out his. Uh, going to the bathroom and not make sure he he wouldn't drink so many coffees or whatever during the game to make sure that he could be okay to go in the second period intermission. Yeah, and he had a special spot down just one, basically right below where he, where the broadcast booth is, and it was just in the kitchen uh, of of where you know when you go into the media meal room. Yeah, there's a little spot in a kitchen behind there where you can can kind of get like a buffet. Uh, there's a, sort of a buffet out on that one side. If you go in the kitchen right oh, on yeah. that top concourse, that's where Rod would uh, use the facility. So he found a secret a secret washroom. Yeah, because if he goes all the way in, now now how's he going to get back in time? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, some, somebody texted in because I, I, was, I, I was saying uh, I got to go on a little tour a couple of weeks ago just checking out the, the, the Chad stuff. Somebody texted in, can you tell us more about that? Um, quite frankly, I, I don't know if the general public is that interested about where I'm going to be. I mean, they want to know where the seating is, right, but, yeah. but, but even for the media, it will be more comfortable. And it was a, yeah, it was a little inconvenient that there was no washroom mm-hmm. on cat press box level right on. at, uh, at Rexall place. I had some uh, painful additions of overtime <laughs> open line. Uh, I can tell you that. Yes. Thank you. Somebody texted in the square footage, 819,000. And I think the Vegas one is around 550. I want to say, okay. um, somebody said is the seating 18,500, including the box seating. Well, yes, that is the capacity for hockey, for hockey. And I'm, you know what? There are about, 40 Stu McDonald clips from, from Oilers now earlier today. But yeah, for in-the-round concerts, 
it'll be uh, as much as 20000 if the stage is in the middle. Right, and then you'd probably have, to have some floor seating too, I would imagine. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that factors all yeah. that in for sure. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's bigger. They don't, the exact capacity for hockey, 18500 I think Stu said probably it'll be give or take 50 seats by, right, yeah. by the end of the day. Uh, we'll play some more Stu McDonald clips. Kevin and I will keep uh, talking about the new building. We want to talk a little uh, Eskimos. As Kevin mentioned, we're excited. The uh, sort of... Uh, he called it, did you call it the real part of the CFL season? The yes. more intense part of the CFL season, that's for darn sure. Just, yeah. You've done all your evaluations, and you should know what you have now as a team, and now you move forward, and it, either you got it or you don't. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, back in a couple. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. All right, we got a text here from uh, Michael. He goes, "Wasn't Rexall eighteen thousand seats? Why, why wouldn't they have more seats? Well, they, well, they do actually. It was, yeah, it was sixteen thousand eight thirty nine. That was the capacity at Rexall. So eighteen five. Yeah, so you're looking so, at seventeen or eighteen hundred more seats. However, it works out, kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Uh, I mean, look, we're getting text messages about this. Why didn't they make capacity over twenty thousand? I mean. There's it, logistics and stuff. And there are, and it's supply and demand. Sure. It is. And, I mean, once if you get in that area where all of a sudden it's 20000 something like, say, Montreal, mm-hmm. and you're not selling out all the time, then, you know, you, that ticket, that aspiration to go there isn't as much as it were being at eighteen five, And that's yeah. the main reason. And I think there's, so you extend a few rows. How much does that extend the cost of the building? Uh, how, how are you, then are there your point where people are a little too far away from the, you know, all that. I think just stuff. everything. The main thing though, is that you look at the size of Edmonton and the, the surrounding area, sure. fan base, etc. You can't compare it to uh, a Montreal or Chicago. Uh, Joshua says, I heard in the open house they are not going to show us the locker rooms. Can you confirm this? Yeah, I don't think that that's good. I mean, here's the thing, everybody. It is an open house. It is not a just go wherever you want, (laughs) wherever you want. You still still got to remember that. I mean, and I know even on the people have said to me on a couple of tours I have been on, I mean, there are things I have not seen. I have not been in the dressing room. I have seen most of our broadcast areas. That was the priority when I was shown around so you know you're not you're not going to be in the open house and then go looking through Todd McClellan's desk yeah, or anything like that. Not, there's not going to be 40,000 people stepping on the Oilers logo in the dressing room. Right. <laughs> right. If yeah, and that's that's one of the details. It's uh, still rolling along. Kevin Carius in studio with us. He's from Global Television. Another big question of course is uh Parking and Stu McDonald on Oilers Now today was asked if the uh, the main parkade is finished. The major one under the plaza, which is uh, approximately twenty five hundred seat uh, uh, spaces for vehicles, uh, will open when all of Ice Street opens. Ice Street opens, which is uh, a couple call it a couple years from now. All right, so uh, it's a wi- it's a ways away. Yeah, uh, but lots of parking. Uh, the city office tower will be opening in the next month or two. There's parking under that. Epcor Tower is parking under that. There's lots of parking spaces. Um, that, that's one thing. And we, we spent a lot of time in this a couple years ago, but there's more heated underground spaces uh, within a 15-minute walk of Rogers Place than there was above-ground spaces at Rexall Place. So uh, it's really our job would be to educate people where those lots are, how to pre-order parking, how to secure it, and how to their best access in and out of that. All right. I mean, those are the common questions, right? Uh, parking, bathrooms, 
yeah. food and beverage. We had a beer question before before you came on, Kevin. So, and that's that's an interesting thing about this project. And we heard, had Rick Davis talking about it as as well. It, it, there's still a lot of construction going on, so you do have to remember that the rink is going to be ready. It's virtually ready now. Um, but yes, yeah, so the the whole ice district is not as it will be in about in about two years. The main word that Stu used there is educate. And I think the organization has done a very good job on that so far, and I think they have a long way to go on that. They have to educate their consumer, their client, their customer, and that's going to be key in the next several weeks and a month in advance here. And he did say there'll be more parking information to come. 100%, uh, both uh, print-wise and electronically going out to not just our season seat holders, but uh, uh, anyone who's purchasing a, t- a ticket for an event at Rogers Place. It's critical for us that, uh, uh, for the customer experience for everybody, that we do everything we can to make uh, access to downtown and parking as smooth as possible. So on us, and we've certainly got plans in place to, to do just that. All right, so, you know, Listen to Chad, watch Global, yeah. go on the Oilers website, go on the Rogers Place website, and just, you know, just always uh, be informed. It's it's going to be new for people having a rink there, absolutely. As, as much as the Oilers and OEG is trying to make this a seamless transition and first night, da-da-da-da, nothing going wrong, there's going to be a few things that are going to go wrong. It's just the way it is. And they have to be prepared for that to make sure that they assess what it is and move on and fix it. And then everyone's going to be going, this is okay. Let's just let's keep improving until it's just an absolute perfect experience for the fan. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So the open house, September 10th. Again, you heard Rick Davis uh, as of, well, about an hour ago now, 48,848 tickets had been claimed for the uh, free tour next Saturday. Uh, again, you do have to book a time slot. You can enter as late as 4 o'clock now. They don't want to take it too late because they didn't want to over- overlap with the Eskimos game at uh, at 5 o'clock too much. All right, it is 7.25 Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, this portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Somebody says, hey, Reed, what about the LRT? There's a new station, uh, the McEwen station, to the north of Rogers Place, you can enter from that side of the building. You can you can enter through Ford Hall. You can also enter right off 104th Ave, or you can enter from that LRT station. Yeah, it's just going to take a couple of times. It's just the process of making sure you get familiar, right? Yep, that's all it is. Yeah, and I mean. You could, I mean, you could get off at one of the Jasper App stations and walk up too, if if you wanted, if that if that suits your fancy. Or you just get out in your limo that takes you to the game. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to be driving people in my limo to every game. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Kevin Carris is going to stick around until eight. We'll talk a little uh, Eskimos as we move along. You can keep the text coming to six thirty six thirty if you if you need a limo ride after nine tonight. I'm available. Maybe maybe that'll work for people. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Darius Bowman and your Eskimos back at work tomorrow. Practicing up for the big Labor Day showdown with the Stampeders. Of course, we have it on 630 Chad, 1130 pregame on Monday. The kickoff will be at 1. Action tonight, final play of the third quarter. 
And it is BC leading Toronto 13-10. Ricky Ray had to scramble, got tackled short of a first down. Well, I was going to say field goal try. Maybe not. There is a flag on the play, so we'll see what's coming up. I haven't seen the crowd shots in the last little while, but they had that shot at the very beginning of the game. Didn't look like a lot of people at this one again. Yeah, it's it's been tough in Toronto. It's just such an ongoing story. Maybe this BMO thing is going to catch on a little bit and, and bring on more people, but it's just... it's. Uh, it, it's it's tough there. I mean, it has it's it's dropped off as being part of a, a, a big deal on their on their sports landscape. Well, for one, there'd be more people that would want to stay home tonight in Toronto and watch the Blue Jays game. Sure, that's the number one thing. Yeah, um, you can talk about another all the other stuff. Wednesday night game. Well, I mean, ugh, that's two Wednesday night games. I think they've had in Toronto this year. Well, they had a Monday night game yeah. too. I don't mind the Monday night games. That that's where they should focus a lot of their games on, and focus when the Blue Jays aren't playing. And no matter if they're at home or away, because people are still going to just stay home and watch, or they're going to go to the Blue Jays game. I think they should focus on a lot of days because that's when the Jays would have their most days off as a Monday. Yeah, uh, the Bla- the Blue Jays, by the way, are leading the Baltimore Orioles four one in the uh, bottom of the seventh. Uh, Devin Travis with an RBI double, the latest run for the Jays. Bautista and Martin both homered in the first inning. Uh, the Red Sox won. This afternoon, 8-6 over Tampa Bay. So the lead for the Jays right now, one and a half. They'll try to get it back up to two with the victory tonight. Uh, did you see the Milo Sharanoch today? He was did, struggling, yeah. eh? Oh, he looked like he wasn't even going to make it yep. through. And I don't think he... I think he just wanted the match to be over as fast as he could. But even in, ah, whatever, set three, he was, I think he mailed it in already by that time after he lost in 7-5. So uh, the the fourth was just a formality. He could barely even walk. Yeah. So He had some cramping issues. It was, uh, he he won the first set 7-6. Six. Ryan Harrison, unseated American guy, 7-5, seven, 7-5. Five, seven, five. And then, like you said, Kevin, 6-1 six, six, one. One in the fourth set. And, yeah, yeah he was... And I think he had wrist problems early yes. early on, too. But most they were working on his legs, and he couldn't even... Like, a lot of times when he was getting ready to return a serve, he looked like he was going to fall over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's tough. I mean, sometimes you see tennis players, they'll, they'll just retire, so a guy mm-hmm. will win by retirement. But, I mean... I think he wanted to gut it out. You want to gut it out yeah. and think, well, maybe... I mean, Ryan Harrison is not a name. He's like, maybe I play well enough to beat this yeah, guy, but... String a few together and send it to a fifth, maybe. That's got to be so frustrating to lose because of an injury for an athlete. I, I think mean, so, just too. Like, and, I mean, I, the heat is always... A, a, comes into play at the U.S. Open. You can yep. kind of see him suck and win a bit, too, so... All right, so, well, no Canadians. Bouchard not, lost. Not in singles. <laughs> That's it. Not in singles. Not in singles, yeah. sorry, yeah. Poss, but still lost earlier today, too. Sure, yeah, so so uh, so that's it. Uh, no doubt of Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Jets have named Blake Wheeler their captain. Dustin Bufflin and Mark Scheifele will wear the A's. Of course, Andrew Ladd was the captain. He got traded at the deadline. The Saskatchewan Roughriders have signed Khalif Mitchell. If you're wondering, where, why do I know that name? Uh, about three, four years ago, he was the guy who got fined, uh, suspended, actually, for the throat slash... Jester yep. against the Eskimos, amongst other things. Um, and he ha- he ha- if you look at his Twitter account, uh, it's yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, and he got he got punished a couple of years ago for using a racial term on yeah. on Twitter, and there's some very questionable He's stuff. He's a loose there. cannon. Let's be honest, very loose cannon. Well, the riders need him apparently. <laughs> They're one and eight. They need anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's. But we'll see. We'll see how that uh, works there. If he can, if he can still play, I don't know if that's the the road I would go down. But uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have added him. The Edmonton Eskimos getting back to work. So here we go, Kevin. Uh, Ed, Ed Hervey spoke yesterday. 
Um, very, to me, very measured, very, very patient uh, from Hervey. Uh, I mean, five and four is kind of the definition of a of a mediocre record. But he seemed like, okay, let's keep let's keep gelling. Let's see where we go here. Think about how the team was last year at this time. Mike Riley was hurt, came in, and basically turned the season into what it was. They end up winning, uh, you know, the ten games in a row, you know, including playoffs. Again, the first nine games, especially the first six, are such a, a period of time in the CFL where you, you can't go into um, your meetings, your whatever with players, with, with your coaches, and make a, have a panic statement because the season just is too long in the sense that too many teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And everyone is still in it at Labor Day. Everyone. They're, every team is still in this. The Riders could still make the playoffs. Well, they'd have to win every game, though. Well, um, <laughs> you know, even if the Riders went eight and one or seven and two, I think they'd probably still. Okay, have a fair, fair enough. But, you know. Yeah. So again, right at Labor Day is when it all starts, and uh, I, I love the way Ed Hervey looks at these two games, especially on Monday, just to say that yeah, it's more than just another game. This is when the season starts, and this is against our arch rival and. We want to have a good showing. So Ed Hervey got really angry on Labor Day once. Yes, 13 years ago. <laughs> uh, with Sanchez and little helmet swinging. But you know what? I've known Ed a long Ed and I came here at the same time to Edmonton, basically. Yeah. And Ed actually used to, we used to hang around a lot when I was, you know, in 1999 and and, and things like that. We, we hung out a lot just... Uh, in off season and stuff, because Ed spent his time here a lot of the time in the off season. So I got to know him a, a lot better than a lot of guys did, and I feel pretty fortunate for that. So when that happened to Ed in 2003, uh, when he swung this, his helmet because he was coming to the aid of his teammate Ricky yep. Ray, and then that's how it broke down. And it's Calgary, and it's the emotions are flying. It was a turning point for him. There's no question about it. I mean, he felt that uh, he probably had a lot of growing up to do at that point as a football player and as a man and probably since that happened you look at how his career has changed in the sense of what he's accomplished and it's quite remarkable and you think about where ed came from you know yeah. uh you know you know in los angeles and in compton and all that stuff and the things that he saw as a, as a young kid it, we couldn't even fathom yeah. what what happened to Ed Hervey and his friends and family, you know, uh, all those years ago when he when he was in Compton and things like that. And for him to be where he is now, I, I have nothing but respect for him. And I, I even said, I remember saying last year, and there aren't a lot of African-American general managers in the NFL. And there aren't. That's just the way it goes. If you look at what's happened yep. in the coaching uh, situation, there were no African-American head coaches in the NFL years ago. Then there was a few that trickled in. Guys like Dennis Green, um, uh, Lovey Smith, uh, like that. the Bengals guy, uh, uh, yeah, Lewis, yeah, Lewis. Guys like that started to trickle in. But before that, it was a, it was like well, you're, it was just like it was back in the day when Warren Moon came up here because he couldn't be a quarterback down there. So I remember at the Great Cup last year, Reed, and I said one of the things that if if Ed Hervey pro- keeps progressing the way he does. There's no doubt in my mind that he will be a target down the road to be a general manager uh, in the NFL uh, if that's 
something that he chooses uh, down the road. He, you're right. He's he's a very interesting uh, story as as a human being, and and you're right. I mean, we that's why we we often saw that passion from Ed as as a player. Certainly, you mentioned the incident on Labor Day across the line, and I think even as a general manager, I think back to three four years ago after the Labor Day game in Calgary. Simeon Rotier, I hope, never plays another down as an Edmonton Eskimo. Well, Simeon Rotier is still on yeah. the Edmonton Eskimo's offensive line, and is he, is he pretty solid piece? So I think even Ed learned there as, as a GM, like, okay, wait a minute, you can't, as much as we as media guys and fans want a definite statement, yeah. I think he learned, I, I can't speak in absolutes. I have to, yeah. even if I don't feel patient on the inside, I got to look I got to look calm, because you're communicating, ultimately you're communicating that to your players. Everyone. Right. The whole world is seeing it, especially in this day and age. To other teams. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they're thinking it's in. Now, uh, Ed is Ed is an opinionated man. There's no doubt about that. And he was asked several times yesterday, including by me, about a, a mid-season rule change for reviews. You now lose your timeout if you're wrong on your first review. So it's interesting to me what the CFL did. In the offseason, they said more things are now reviewable, like roughing the passer, like no yards, like illegal contact. That's the big one. And now they're kind of saying, well, hold on, coaches. We gave you all this leeway, but we don't want it to, to use it. So Ed, Ed finally kind of summarized his thoughts uh, with this clip near the end of his availability. Going back to your challenge question, that is where we have to recognize that the fans still pay to watch the game, and we have to make the, the, the fans uh, happy sometimes at our own uh, you know, by sucking up our own pride sometimes and, you know, as a group recognize that and not get caught up in everything that we want, you know, and sometimes recognize that the fans want what they what they ask for and that is just the even flow of a game that they can enjoy and be entertained by it and the game shouldn't be stopped because we're looking for a penalty under every rock. Okay, so <laughs> he's on the competition committee. Um, I, I mean, I think, and that's the number one complaint I get about video replay, Kevin. People have, have often said it's not so much anymore about getting the play right. It's about that I don't want to sit there and wait for a thing to be slowed down frame by frame so a, a pinky on a jersey is going to be called a legal contact. But this is a good thing the CFL has recognized from all its teams and players and fans that we had to make this change, change and not wait till next year. Because that, I think, was critical to get it done at this point of the season. Because wait till next year, you're going to have a bigger problem then because it's just going to snowball to having more people upset than what they are right now. Well, I, th- I think I think next year, Kevin, they're going to they're going to take away some of the things that can be reviewed. I think they'll take away the illegal contact. I mean, the and there's been one that helped the Eskimos and one that hurt the the Bowman. There was a long throw to Bowman that went incomplete, and they challenged for illegal contact against the Riders. And it was called a penalty, and the Eskimos continued their drive. I I didn't really. Now I'm at the game, so I don't get yeah. any replays. And then Mike Miller got called for an uh, illegal interference against Montreal that wiped out a touchdown. So you think so, illegal contact will be gone next? I year? I think it'll be as gone. That's something as that'll as be challengeable. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think they'll leave in. I think they're going to leave in PI. Okay. I'll I'll keep it. I'll think that I think they'll keep it the way it is, but just and with this new rule instituted, I think it might temper. Uh, the challenges, and then they don't want to have that sacrifice of the timeout, etc. So, well, yeah, that's fair. I, I also wonder too, and you and I often joke, like, here's what we would do if we could just fix <laughs> sports. But I also wonder if, okay, if you're going to leave all these things available to challenge, 
So the coach throws the flag. The ref comes over. He says, I'm challenging this. And then I think once the ref communicates that back to the, the head office, to the command center, whatever they call it, then you got then it's one minute. You got one minute to look at the video. If it's not obvious in one minute, and, and you can only watch it at full speed. Well, I don't know. You're splitting hairs here a lot with a lot of things, so I don't know how. It, I don't know how, with what you're saying, it can be a successful uh, project going forward. Because it should be, it should only be used to overturn obvious missed calls. Like I, I like some of the like Brandon Banks had a little grab on him in the in the Calgary game. Was it a legal contact by definition? Sure. Was it easily detectable on the field? No. But they've opened this up though, Reed. I think either you got to just get rid of it, or you got to let a little leeway through here because. <clears throat> If you get rid of it all, this has been a bad, wasted experience in a lot of leagues. Well, they won't get rid of it all. Well, but what you're saying is you're, you want to kind of get rid of a lot of things, though. So what do you want? You want to I, keep... I'm saying I don't want the game delayed. Where? Yeah. Where do you cut? The, where, where do you draw the line on what's obvious? That's why you give it one minute. You say, command center, you have one minute to review this. Do you see a penalty or not? After a minute, if you can't see a penalty, it's not a penalty. Hmm. Your phone just lit up. It's Orage calling. <laughs> well, or it should call me, because I, quite frankly, I have a lot of good ideas, Kevin. It's 746 Inside Sports on 630 Channel. We'll wrap it up with Kevin after the break. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Channel. Yeah. Well, we'll do one right now, Kevin. Oh. We'll do one. Well, first, you got to tell we'll the listeners right from now. last week, the, the list you gave me last week. on. Okay, well, two weeks ago. Was it two? No, well, what was the oh. first? La- last week, you walked in because, uh, was it Ortiz hit a home run? Pujols. Pujols hit a home run. So I said, name the guys, the top ten home run hitters of yeah. all time. You, I think you did really well. I don't know why you feel self-conscious. Well, because I, I kind of stalled out at seven, and then, but I got a lot of guys. You got a guys 16, in the top 20. 16 to 20, kind of nailed a few there. but Okay, that's fine. Uh, what was the list the previous week? I asked you something else. What was it, Kellen? That was the pentathlon at the Olympics. Oh, yeah, name the, the sports in the pentathlon. <laughs> yeah. And, or the, de- and, the decaf. The order. Decaf. The order. The order. The, the, order. the, the order. ten, the ten yeah. itself. The ten pretty easy. Pretty yeah. easy if you're a sports fan. Right. Getting, getting the... Uh, well, I get, maybe we won't have a, a, a list tonight. Yeah, I'll have to get one for next week. Well, because then you, you, just on your own... Listed off the starters from the 1978. <laughs> 77, 78 Yankees team that won back-to-back world championships over the Dodgers. Okay, I got a, I got a one for you. Hang on, I'm just getting it on. Thank God for phones, these little handheld computers we have. You're a big Yankees fan then. Yeah, I could. I might have a little bit of Yankee. The uh, 1927 Yankees, considered one of the best Mur- teams of all time. Murderer's Row. Murderer's Row. Uh, who were... <laughs> Who are their usual starting nine? Well, I mean, the the two that are obvious, everyone knows it'd be Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Sure. Okay. Now, there's a few other guys in there that the names that guys are never, ever going to get. Um, oh, that Ruth is in the outfield, one. Gehrig at first, obviously. Yeah, Ruth was in the outfield, Gehrig. <laughs> this is mean. Why, why do I do this you know, to Kevin? Do you know who uh, Lou Gehrig took over uh, to start his? Yeah, two, Wally two, Pip. Wally Pip, 2,130 yeah. games. So Pat Collins was the catcher. Okay, would have never got him. Played 92 games. Uh, Johnny Grabowski played uh, 70 games. 
Garrig at first, bat at second. Usually, this is the usual lineup. Uh, Tony Lazeri, right, second base. Mark, uh, or pardon me, this is not the batting order. This is the the position. Uh, Mark Koenig, the shortstop, played 123 games. Joe Duggan at third. Bob Musil in the outfield, along with Ruth and Earl Combs. The only guy I would have ever had a sniff on is Tony Lazeri. So there you go. I'm trying to get their home run oh. stats, but it's not it's not easy to look at on the phone here. But uh, yeah, there you go. I'm going to start out and do a little. You're going to have to quiz me on stuff. Here. Yeah, I'm going to get. You're, you're going to get some good ones here. <laughs> well, next week bring in a quiz for Wilkins, yeah. and I'll probably get it all wrong. Uh, Kevin Carrius from Global Television is in studio. He joins us uh, every Wednesday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Toronto and BC in the CFL are tied 13-13 with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is going to join us on the show tomorrow. He's the quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders. I think he and Mike Riley are the leading candidates for most outstanding player at the halfway point uh, as we move along. Your individual awards don't mean much yeah. to the players, but they, they, they're both excellent Didn't we, we had a little kind of a quasi-argument about who the best quarterbacks in the league are, right? Remember we talked about that, and I said, I said Mike Riley's the number two guy, and you said he's not. Because you said Caleros. You would take Caleros over Riley. Yes, I think Caleros is yeah. outstanding. Okay. I, I just, Bo Levi Mitchell's the only guy that in this league that I would even think about taking over Mike Riley. Well, uh, those, only... those are the top three. Uh, here's the thing with Kalaros. I, I just think when he's played, his his is here's the thing. His indiv- when he's played, his individual stats are gaudy, and the team has won. It's not just that he puts up big stats for a team that goes four and four. They they win almost every game he's played when he's been healthy. Okay, fair enough. But I think Mike Riley. I, I'd rather have Mike Riley on my team than Zach Claros. And Bo Levi Mitchell, his win loss record is amazing. True, it's the best in the history of the league, basically. So that's why I would take him over Riley. No, Riley's certainly the intangibles for Riley. If you want to call, they aren't intangibles because you see them on the field. The way he reached for that touchdown against the Riders. I mean, yeah. he was not being denied. He mm-hmm. he brings that. And he's he's making more throws better than he ever did. And that throw on the run to Walker for the touchdown, that proves exactly what he can do. Now, my argument, do, and this is splitting hairs because they're mm-hmm. both excellent. And, and part of it, I've got a little behind-the-scenes confession. Part of it I do is because I just don't want to be the homer and just say, oh, Riley's the best. Yeah. No, but Because I, mean, I watch Kalaros a lot, and he throws on the run really well, too. Fair enough. So we'll see. I think it's going to be, I predicted it. Remember another guy, I don't know how we're doing for time, but we talked about Matt Nichols. Remember when Matt Nichols was taking over for quarterback uh, for uh, uh, Drew Willie? Yep. And we said, well, well, what's he going to be like? And one of the first things they said, he's got to be able to be that guy where everyone else in the huddle goes, okay, you can lead us to victory all the time, not just a couple weeks here where he, where he took over here and was ended up to be a pretty good quarterback. You know, he was efficient is what he was. and But now he he seems to have taken that next step to where everyone believes in him, in him and he is that guy that can lead a team to be a successful team. You, you know, uh, the, the thing is, and I'm really hard on the Bombers, <laughs> but but it just makes me think, like, who evaluated Drew Willie as the better quarterback? Like, at what? why would you think that? 
I mean, they, they I see them both they, in training they, camp. They got him from Saskatchewan, right? Yes. And what I don't, I can't remember what they gave up for Drew. Yeah, they got him a couple off seasons yeah. ago, right? So maybe, maybe they just they, they had to give him every single chance yeah, he could I get. I think that's probably what it was. So, Kevin, you're a gem for coming in, buddy. Have Alrighty, a great show big guy. Yeah, world's longest baseball game. Oh yeah. Friday. What time are you on the field? Start at noon, Telus Field or the ballpark, the Edmonton yep. ballpark. We'll be there. Uh, noon on Friday, uh, be there a little bit before with some ceremonies and then play right through till Monday at uh, noon, so awesome. 72 hours. So we'll have some stories next yeah, Wednesday. Exactly. All right, have a good show tonight, Thanks, buddy. Riddle. Kevin Carius checking in, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. He joins us every Wednesday. Coming up, Adam Scorgy, the film Ice Guardians. He's going to tell us all about it. It's pretty cool stuff uh, about fighters in your beloved sport of hockey, and he'll tell you when you can see the movie, too. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.